0: Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you give us to be encouraged and challenged and provoked to good works. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us the opportunity tonight to uh, come and hear about the blessings that you gave uh, Helen at this uh, trip in Israel and Jordan. And we pray, Lord God, for the needed clarity for her. To convey the insights and um, uh, discernment that you have for each of us to learn. And Amen. we pray, Lord, for receptivity and willingness and ability, Lord, for us to hear what you want us to hear. Amen. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Shalom, shalom. 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 <laughs> um, I appreciate the prayer very much because about an hour ago a good number of my slides, just disappeared. beard, uh, I had tried to insert a few videos mm-hmm. here and there, just short videos. Uh, some of them were, one of them I took when I was walking in Hezekiah's Tunnel uh, with my headlamp and sloshing in the water and just talking about what Hezekiah's Tunnel is like with the experience. and the biblical uh, passage that it referred to, and uh, so that's one of them that probably threw a monkey wrench in my, uh, in my slideshow. Uh, a couple of other ones, one of them were uh, when we were in the Shefela we just walked around uh, and uh, looking at uh, various ancient sites to some tells or uh, excavations that had been done in some ancient sites, and uh, you know we often end up in the middle of a, a, a group of sheep and goats and with the shepherd just kind of looking at us. And, and we walk with the sheep, and the sheep are all over. And, and so I had taken a little video of that. That was kind of fun. I had taken a little video when I was at Qumran, uh, standing on the site and kind of scanning a bit uh, especially in the area of k four where most of the the scrolls were found or a lot of the important scrolls were found. And so anyways, uh, whatever that was, they're not in this presentation now. I restored what I could and uh, then go from there. So I I was thinking about that. What can I say? How many of you have been to Israel? How How many of you have been to Jordan? Yeah. I see yeah. yeah. So this trip was very interesting because I'd been in Israel several times, lived there for almost four years, went on sabbatical, studied there, took uh, Denver seminary groups there. And, um, and I'd been to Petra and Jerash and Amman for just a three-day uh, short Jordan trip. But this time I ended up... Uh, with the three week that I had done four times before the academic course at the Jerusalem University College in Israel, and then two weeks in Jordan, which was really uh, amazing. So uh, I'm not gonna show the slides of the Temple Mount and the Dome of the Rock and some of the things that we see on, on uh, you know typical pictures of Israel, but I'll show you some other areas where we've been and uh, some of the things we did. So why go? Well, I go for different reasons. One of them is, of course, my love for uh, Israel, for the place, for the people, Uh, my love for scripture. And when you're there, scripture comes alive. And also, I go for academic purposes. I can't teach the Old Testament without uh, understanding the geography, the topography uh, of the land, and understanding the stories well understanding why they happen, where they happen, and this type of thing. So um, I go for a number of reasons. And uh, so where do we go? All over. We go to places where tourists go and we go to places where where tourists don't go. And uh, beautiful places. The country is small, but it's so diverse from north to south and east to west. What to do? Uh, That's right, just everything under the sun. Uh, I remember one time when I had come back from Israel, I think after my sabbatical, I went, or after I studied there, went to Canada and spoke with, uh, uh, visited one of my brothers and his friends were there and they had been to Israel. So my brother said, home, my sister just arrived from Israel. They said, where's your tan? <laughs> they had spent time on the beach in Tel Aviv, <laughs> that's usually not the reason why I go to israel and uh, so anyways they were they thought I was boring and so anyways, what to see you know better. <laughs> and so I thought I'd start with uh, just a general um, map of our friendly neighborhood and uh, when i when I have discussions with people about um, Israel, and how some of them, they've never been there, never been to the Middle East, and have no concept of the geography, have no concept, and they they paint such a negative picture of Israel. And and I asked them, have you ever looked at a map and see, you know, what exactly is massively surrounding Israel? Uh, the state of Israel and the small and the, the amazing things that come out of this land because of uh, a blessed people and creativity and giftedness and all this. So I like to put Israel and realize that it's a God thing, that uh, Israel is there and is still there. And uh, as a... Uh, a fulfillment of the promise of God now another map that I wanted to look at and I couldn't find too many maps unless they're maps that were not helpful that did not include the West Bank but uh, one thing that we do when we go for academic purposes is we study the roads the main roads that uh, uh, that cross and that go north, south, east, west And people coming from Mesopotamia, people coming from Egypt. And why was Israel always this, what they call this land bridge? Well, major uh, highways are, are, there's the King's Highway that goes from north to south and that goes all the way to the Euphrates. And then uh, you can follow the Euphrates into Mesopotamia. Then if people wanted to come and follow the coast, they would cut, north of the Sea of Galilee, which is the little blue spot there and the Dead Sea here, and they would follow the coast. So the coastal highway instead was one of the major highways. And then there's also the road that is on the top of the the hills uh, in the center of the country. So when we study there, we study the geography, the roads, because the things that are important in survival for any people, is really a water source, food, <coughs> roads, uh, having access to uh, uh, to the resources. And so that is one of the things. Another thing we look at is the major bodies of water. There are some major uh, rivers that break the country into different areas. So seeing the Zered, River, and seeing the Arnon, and seeing the topography in those areas really made sense uh, uh, in understanding why Moab went from this area to this area, and Edom started from this area to this area, and the interaction between them, and how difficult it was for the Israelites to make their way uh, into the promised land because of the way the geography is and the topography this map shows a little bit more of the topography. Of course, you can see the hills all the way here. And you can see in the in the uh, Jordan Valley here, it's quite dark on both sides. It's because you have uh, the cliffs, and it's not easy to make your way up. You can. It's great hiking. And uh, But uh, when the Israelites came across, they asked permission, can we go through your... Uh, your territory, and the Edomites said no, and the Moabites said no, and created uh, conflict. So it was not easy, because of the uh, topography, it was not easy for the Israelites to kind of find a way where they would stay on the edge and not constantly be in conflict with the people. So I'll show some pictures that have to do with uh, what we saw, the topography. Here... We're on top. We're in Jordan. There's Israel on the other side. And this is the Dead Sea. So we're uh, quite high up. And as you can see, the roads, it's not easy to navigate your way down even to the body of water, to the Dead Sea. Because the the, the wadis or the valleys are quite steep and not easy to, uh, to hike. And plus, if you have rain, those are places where you're going to get some... Uh, uh, some uh, flash floods. Flash floods, thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's right, so you have to be careful. And apparently every year you have people killed in flash floods in Israel, in the southern part, especially in the desert and people who are driving or people who are hiking, because it takes you so much by surprise. And I'm sure it's probably the same, you know, probably in the mountains here, I don't know. Now here, uh, this is a picture of uh, what you would face if you're going out from the Jordan River up to Jerusalem. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think Aaron's going to go to Israel next time. Okay. <laughs> And so this is one part. Of course you have the modern road now that goes up to Israel, but if you hike from, uh, let's say from um, Jericho up to Jerusalem, there are some areas that are uh, harder to climb. They're not all like this, Uh, but it's not the nice new road uh, there are some areas, you can w- hike the Wadi Kelt, they call the, the dry riverbed, uh, called Wadi Kelt. And you, um, you still encounter some uh, old boundary stones, uh, Roman boundary stones, and the old Roman road. Uh, you, there are some portions of the old Roman road that is still there. So when I'm in that area, especially going up to Jerusalem, it took us eight hours to hike from Jericho to Jerusalem. And uh, and really it was a blessing that I could do it because the week before I was flat on my back on the floor. My back was in so much pain I could barely walk or stand up. And it's a good thing we didn't go down from Jerusalem to Jericho because I could not have done it. Going up was much better for my back. So uh, so I went up with the group. And uh, so it's, it's beautiful. It's um, of course, serene, pristine, and there are so many things that take place in the desert uh, in scripture that when you're in the desert where there's not much uh, you know, you have time to think and you have time to observe and you have time to uh, to pray and to you know you see an animal or you see. Plants in the desert and that kind of thing and it's uh, so interesting. So when I think of people coming to offer sacrifice at the temple or people coming from the north for the three main feasts and going up to Jerusalem, they came from the north, it was easier for them to come through the um, the Jordan Valley because it's flat in the Jordan Valley. You just follow the Jordan Valley and then here you start going up. Jerusalem is here. And so, rather than coming uh, over the top of the hills in Samaria, is not the roads are not as nice, and it's not as uh, easy to navigate. So, when I think of of um, Israelites going up to Jerusalem to worship uh, and offer sacrifice and worship for the feast, uh, it was not an easy ride, you know, it was not an easy hike. Uh, it took uh, quite a few days, and in the heat. And this is another aspect of, uh, of the desert. This is actually in the north. This is the Golan Heights, which are really flat. And uh, so we were in Jordan looking at uh, Israel, with a valley in between. And so we did that at several places. Now here is what we looked like when we hiked from, uh, we walked hiked down for a couple of hours Uh, in the Wadi Kel towards Jericho that's more recent uh, picture and uh, it's just little roads right uh, along the the, you know the side of the mountain and uh, that's how people would have traveled and when you, you walk those areas you can still see remnants of aqueducts that Herod had built uh, from the top of the Judean hills to bring water down to his palace down in Jericho. Because he had palaces all over the place. He had palace uh, the Herodian in the south and he had this palace in, in Jericho, his winter palace, and he had the palace, in, of course, in Jerusalem and palace in, in, uh, in um, uh, Masada and uh, in the Caesarea. north, Caesarea, thank you. And so... Uh, you know, you can see sometimes some of the remnants of the construction that they had done way back when and you could see that the water would have just flown uh, flowed, not flown, but mm-hmm. uh, flowed downwards uh, towards Jericho so we hide this, occasionally you come across uh, um, you know, crosses that have been placed here and there along the way, and of course the joke is well, is in remembrance of those who fell with that. Uh, in the ravine, you know, or in the... But that's not so. And there are some places uh, where you have monasteries built inside uh, the rock itself, and uh, monks who lived in the desert uh, and just prayed. There are places where you have a whole monastery, uh, but then next to the monastery in the mountains you have these holes where they would go and live and spend days there and just uh, eat barely anything and drink a little water and pray. and uh, So it's interesting, the history uh, as you walk this journey and you think of thousands of years ago and you think of of, uh, less than that in the Christian uh, era also and how this was used. So again, uh, we look at another... Desert area, this is actually, I believe the that divides uh, Edom and Moab. So, again, you can see it's not easy. And if you're coming with a a whole group, an army, whole group of people, battles are not easy in that area. Warfare is is hard. Uh, Even living there is hard. There are not a lot of oases that are there. And now they build a dam. Uh, Of course, that's a modern dam and uh, to be able to keep some of the water. And, uh, so this is in Jordan, in the south of Jordan. And the same here, uh, same area. And so we had to take these roads down all the way to the bottom and then we had to take the roads up all the way to the top on our way to Petra, uh, on our way south and on our way to Aqaba. So uh, Jordan, most of Jordan is really flat is really completely flat. It's just the western edge of the Jordan and some of these canyons that are that divide major areas that are uh, uh, hilly or, or more treacherous. But most of Jordan is flat, and then what you see from there, if you go east, you're just simply... It's the plains, the desert, uh, and there's not much there. And... Uh, So Now, this is in the south of, um, in the Negev, in what they call the Wadi Zin. It may not be the same Wadi Zin as uh, uh, the one mentioned in the Bible, but it's in that area. It's uh, in the south. And so we hiked this whole area, and occasionally you come to a water pool like this. And uh, what I was thinking, and then we hiked all the way to the top, I'll show you another picture as we're climbing, and uh, as, we, as we hike, it's like hiking in the Grand Canyon, can you imagine a million people with the animals, the babies, the mothers, the donkeys, the, you know, the, the, crying, the babies being born in, in some of those canyons, the, and living in those areas in the heat, really hot during the day, and it gets quite cold at night once the sun is gone. And so very difficult, and it gives me compassion for the Israelites. Having hiked in the desert in some of these areas, and this is a nice, refreshing area because you have water pools there, but it helps me uh, have compassion on the Israelites in their complaints in the Book of Numbers and the Book of Exodus and Numbers, because I think, how long would I last uh, living the life that they were living? And so, we hike all the way to the top, but at least I know at the top there's an air-conditioned bus waiting for us. <laughs> for which I'm very thankful. And, uh, and lunch, and, uh, and fresh pita of the day with whatever it is that uh, they give us. So here is, they've carved on the edge of the mountain, Uh, some steps for us to go up, and at some point the steps stop, and then there are some ladders. You have to go up uh, ladders one by one, and then you keep going on the side of the mountain, then there's another ladder. And so it's really fun. Uh, It's exhausting. It's a long... It takes a few hours to to make it to the top, but it's so beautiful, and uh, it's observing nature plus making you... Think about people living in that area and having to struggle with uh, um, with you know all the obstacles that they face. Now they didn't have carved steps on the side of the, the mountain at that time. Now they they have them there. For us. The next picture is taken from um, from Jordan. And uh, this is looking at is this it? the Sea of Yemite. Yeah. Mm. yes. And so a couple of days before, we actually were navigating some of the roads to go up to the Golan Heights. And, uh, and a couple of days later, here we find ourselves in northern uh, Jordan, northwest Jordan, right on the edge, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and um, they have a beautiful view. Jordan is beautiful. There's a lot. It's not as developed as Israel is, but it's it's got beautiful areas and a lot of uh, you know a lot of hills areas that are more um, have more agriculture. Uh, but less developed than what you see just across the border. And so there's a picture I have later on, I think it's still there, um, of us being uh, a stone's throw, being in Israel, a stone's throw from uh, Jordan, and then the next day we were in Jordan, a stone's throw. Uh, You could have just walked in the water, but probably lived consequences for it and crossed into Jordan, where uh, the baptism place is by Jericho, east of Jericho, very, very close. And so, uh, same with Akaba, you're very close to Israel, so you can, you have a different view of Israel from being uh, on, on that side and looking, because I, I was used to being on the other side and looking at Jordan. But spending a couple of weeks and always looking at the Jordan Valley from the east side rather than from the west side was really interesting. The things that I could see that I, that I had not seen by being in the land. So this was an interesting uh, uh, view and from the east side of the Galilee. The next section is I was thinking, what is uh, one reason why I love going to Israel is, is the people I meet and the people who, all kinds of people, uh, being in the Middle East or Israel and Jordan in this case. And uh, here's a couple that I met a couple of years ago. He is a Messianic, well, they're both uh, Jewish believers. And he, they are in Kfar Saba, or they were in Kfar Saba uh, uh, a little while back. And uh, the way he became a believer Is he had finished his time in the army and he came to uh, America, you know, to see what he could do and uh, joined this group of Israelis who sold paintings or pictures in hotels. You know, sometimes you see that advertised. And uh, so for some reason, you know, he ended up being arrested because the company for which he was working was not kosher. And uh, so he was arrested and ended up in jail. And so in jail, I mean, he was panicking with his buddies, and and, uh, he had a vision of the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him as he was in prison. And uh, he had heard this big black guy come to the jail, and preach the gospel, but, you know, those three Israelis, they were not interested. But but, uh, one night, uh, the Lord gave him a vision, and uh, so he went to his buddies and and said, You know, I uh, I saw the guy, the big black guy he's talking about. You know, I saw him, I saw him. And they thought he had flipped, and so they were very concerned for his mental health. And so they ended up uh, contacting his family in Israel, so when they were released, he was released and was immediately taken to the airport to fly back to israel <coughs> and he couldn 't wait to tell his family you know i 'm so excited i I saw the Yeshua and you know and uh, so his family had already made arrangements for a psychiatrist to be ready for him when he came back home, and thinking he really had gone bunkers. And uh, so anyways, he has such an amazing testimony of meeting the Lord in a supernatural way. And so we hear of people having dreams and visions. And for him, was an Israeli in an American jail and for selling paintings in a hotel. You know? And But the Lord had him there because uh, the Lord had something for him. It was to reveal to him Yeshua. So very interesting uh, fellow, wonderful wife and little girl. And then another person some of you have heard about, some of you may have met, Tasa Ada, who wrote uh, a couple of books. The first book he wrote was Once an Arafat Man <coughs> because he used to be part of Fatah. And uh, he was a sniper for Fatah and killed a lot of Israelis and uh, eventually left. Uh, Israel wanted to get out of this lifestyle. He had gone to, uh, to Israel when he was, I think, 16 from Saudi Arabia, had left his family and said he was going to join Arafat's uh, movement or organization, which he did. And uh, he ended up uh, being trained to be a sniper, and then he was so good that he ended up training other young people to be good snipers. And uh, then, you know, uh, then drove Airfat around. He was his driver for a while, and he definitely drives like he would be his driver, <laughs> and uh, he's a little bit of uh, a hairy uh, driver, but. Um, At one point, he wanted to get out of that lifestyle, so he decided uh, to come to America. So he managed, I don't know all the details, but managed to come to America. And he was told that if he married an American, he could get a green card, and he could work. So he looked for, you know, uh, someone he could marry and met Karen, who already had a... uh, a son, I believe, or daughter, I can't remember which one, they have a son and a daughter now, but um, so he uh, he met her and you know, dated for not very long, But and he was Muslim and she was from Christian background, but probably nominal Christian and so they got married and uh, he got his green card and then he just returned to being the good old task that he was and a womanizer and uh, uh, living his Muslim life, his own style of Islam, and uh, became very good at, uh, at, um, uh, in the restaurant business, especially in French restaurants. And so he became manager of uh, you know, a very good French restaurant. And one of his regular customers was the CEO of an insurance company, who would bring clients there all the time, so he, you know, he became friends with him. And so one day the CEO uh, started talking to him about sharing the gospel with him, and he'd say, oh no, I'm a Muslim. And uh, one day the CEO invited him to his home and uh, talked to him and put a Bible next to him, and he jumped off the couch. I mean, he wanted nothing to do with that book and uh, but by the end of the evening the lord got a hold of him he was on his knees weeping and asked jesus to be his savior and so his life was changed transformed and a few years later and of course he went home and said to his wife i became a christian they said yeah right <laughs> and uh, so it took a while for for him for, you know to not convince them with words, but to, uh, to let them see that his life had changed dramatically. And so a few years later, the Lord spoke to them to go into ministry, to join the ministry of that CEO, who was now in full-time ministry. And so he was in ministry with them. And then a few years later, the Lord spoke to them about coming back to the land. So they went to Gaza, the Gaza Strip, and started a preschool. And uh, so for a couple of years, they were there. And then they went to Jericho. And it's when they were in Jericho that I was on sabbatical, and I came across this book. Once an Arafat man, I wrote, uh, read the book and thought, I have to get a hold of these people. Because one thing that I like to do when I go to Israel, especially when I bring a group of students or friends of the seminary, is to have them meet people who've had real encounters with Yeshua, and whether, Uh, MBBs, Muslim Background Believers, or Jewish Believers, and really hear testimonies there, because that's one thing the news doesn't tell us about the the Middle East. And so, uh, I finished the book, I wrote an email, said, you know, you don't know me, but this is who I am, I'm in Jerusalem right now, I wonder if it's possible for me to come and see you. And I thought they were still in Gaza, so I didn't know if I'd be able to make it there. And but uh, so Karen, his wife, replied immediately. She said, we're actually in Jericho. Do you want to come this weekend? And so sure, so I took the taxi and, and went down and spent the day with them. And it was such a blessing to, to hear from them and the way the Lord has used them to minister to the Palestinian people, especially in the Jericho area. They're helping them start businesses. They started this the building here is a uh, youth center that they started in Jericho, a uh, cultural center for young men, young, young women. Uh, they have a preschool uh, uh, in that building. They do all kinds of activities because he doesn't want the young people to end up uh, doing what he did. And so and they share the gospel with them, but they have Muslim teachers and, and Christian teachers and volunteers. So. You know, I'll tell people, say, well, what can I do to help anybody over there? Well, that's one place. They're always looking for volunteers. And when I was there, I went on the roof of the building, and uh, you can see the whole Jordan Valley, and you can see across the Jordan Valley, and what I could imagine, I was working on the Joshua commentary at the time, I thought, there's Shittim. That's where they were before they crossed over on this side. you know, and I thought, gee, they could see them all, you know. And no wonder they were trembling in their boots because you can really see a long ways and seeing these people, who's God, nobody can stop. And so uh, so now he, uh, Tass, wrote another book. It's called The Mind of Terror. It just came out in the past year. Very interesting book. Also, he explains how people end up uh, in ISIS, for example, or how they end up... Uh, uh, you know, following that lifestyle. And so he's... Uh, um, that's what's happening in the land. So when I think of what's happening in the land, it's not just the political stuff. It's really God is at work. And... Uh, Isn't his life in danger? You know, he has... He has felt safe. He's respected in among the Palestinians. Wow. And uh, they know his background. They know who he is. They don't bother him. and and israel know who he is and they've allowed him to come back and you know god's given him favor the first thing he did when he went back was to go see arafat and uh, and he had a lot of people praying for him and he said i need to go share the gospel with arafat and that's exactly what he did and he said that as he was talking with him uh, and it was a God thing that he could even spend time with him and share with him. He said that he shed a few tears even as he listened to the testimony of the mm-hmm. task. So never know what you know what seeds will do. So the people, you know, I talked about a uh, Jewish believer, uh, a Muslim background believer, and also just being in the culture Uh, with uh, the Jewish community or with Muslims. I mean, the the diversity and the richness of the culture, it's not just our differences, but this is actually uh, in one of the tunnels by the Temple Mount, and you can walk on bedrock in that area. And uh, there's uh, there's an area where they think is probably just where the temple would have been on the Temple Mount, so there's a little synagogue uh, for women go and pray there. Um, and so this woman, and look at the size rocks, which they still haven't figured out how you end up getting rocks that that are so massive. I think one of them is 35 feet long, just one stone, and then how many layers of that do you have? And uh, you know the the structure and and of course, you know, being uh, loved, I stayed on my sabbatical just right across from uh, uh, the Orthodox community, Mea Shearim. And uh, so lots of uh, Orthodox men and women. And on Shabbat, there's one street that kind of goes right next to Mea Shearim. And on Shabbat, they go on the corner of the street and, and scream, Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat! They tried to stop the cars. So you always had a police officer or two on, on horses to be able to help cars go by, and many cars avoided that area, but now you have the light rail on Jaffa Road, so people have to go on the street next to it, which is right next to Maasheri. So, and what broke my heart was to see the young, young boys, you know, following in the footsteps of their fathers, and screaming the same thing, and. And uh, one time after one of those, you know, demonstrations, um, there's, uh, I think, it, uh, I don't know if they were Eastern Orthodox or something, you know, some uh, Christians went to Mea uh, in front of some businesses on Sunday. And we're shouting, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) So in other words, we have to close down on Shabbat. You have to close down on Sunday. So it was interesting conversations and news. And here, this picture that I took on top of Masada, uh, in the place where the old synagogue was uh, on Masada, there is a scribe who is there. And uh, doing his work as a scribe, doing Torah scrolls and other uh, other scrolls, and he doesn't mind people are there, and you know he'll show them uh, what he's doing, and he, you know people come and go, and some people have services still in uh, that in that little open area that was the former synagogue, and uh, there was a bar mitzvah there. Uh, this summer when I was there, and it was very interesting. They were singing and having a great time, and so I went at the door and I was singing with them, and and, um, and then the little kids came and gave me candy, and they were you know so happy, and let's <laughs> all celebrate. And so it was really fun to see that on uh, on, the t- on uh, Masada. Now here's another interesting uh, picture. I love taking picture of, of people, I think, okay, how... We talk about diversity. Here, diversity looks a lot the same, you know? And But diversity there is so much more different, and you have to adjust in different ways. So this man had this little one-string instrument. This is in small petra, little petra, they call it. There's a little petra behind the big petra, and so he was back there and playing his one song. And so, you know, probably wanted a little bakshish or something. But, anyways, and then we moved, so he took his carpet and his instrument and he moved. Same tune, same string. And so it was interesting to be entertained with uh, what he was familiar with. And the other one is also we were just hiking in an area in Jordan and seeing it, some areas you have a lot of Bedouins who still live uh, there in those areas. And there are in the north of uh, Jordan, we saw a lot of gypsies also, who apparently just steal everybody's stuff around them. So. Uh, You know, people are careful in those areas. So think, okay, is this what it looked like in biblical times, you know? But this is still what it looks like today. And people are, uh, you know, living outside and with their animals. And this man, this is a very interesting story. It's in Jordan also. And uh, the floor is a complete mosaic. This is the house where he was raised. And his whole family—brothers, sisters, parents—were, uh, uh, you know, their family was there. And then they started digging uh, the floor, and they found the mosaic. And eventually, continued digging and found several layers of mosaic in this whole floor. It's beautiful. I mean, the artistry is gorgeous. The, uh, the, the animals and the flowers and the people in the, the mosaic and there's a, a big Greek inscription uh, the whole width of the uh, uh, of the, the floor of the house so it's very interesting. it's not an area where tourists go it's uh, you know our guide she knew where he was, where he lived, where his house was so. He welcomed us and, and uh, unlocked the door and said, "Come on in and talked a little bit about his family and and uh, the life that they lived in that house." And it was very interesting. So the hospitality, um, you know, is is was warm and precious. And this is as we were visiting this uh, uh, big castle, uh, more in the north of Jordan. Uh, this lady was sitting outside with probably the grandchild because the the parents were inside in visiting the castle while we were there, and I thought it was such an interesting living picture. Here's grandma, you know, and babysitting and taking care of the baby while the parents are are inside. And actually, the parents live in America now, and they were just visiting their family, so therefore they were doing touristy stuff that they just didn't do as a family. And so they were visiting things and came to visit uh, his mother. Here's a wonderful brother, a believer, Zach. Uh, He is in the old city of Jerusalem. And uh, I always recommend his shop for people if they're looking for something, his shop or two shops down. Now he is a Palestinian Christian. Uh, We don't agree on everything. And uh, But he loves the Lord. I visited his church, an Arabic-speaking church, where they sing everything in Arabic and, and uh, preach in Arabic. And there's one little old lady who has her microphone, and she's the one who translates everything and just sits there in the corner and just enjoys blessing those who come and speak English. And she translates everything for us. And so he has a beautiful family, wonderful wife, two little girls, and so it's always a, a blessing to go and sit in his shop and go and talk about the Lord and what God is doing. And, you know, I don't like to get into politics uh, much. Sometimes I'll listen to what they have to say, but uh, I don't like, you know, the pull and push sometimes that they want they want you to side with one side or the other. I don't like that. I like... Uh, uh, our Jordanian guide who's uh, uh, also a Palestinian he, a Christian, Evangelical Christian he said, you know, many of my colleagues will not take groups if, if the leader is Jewish or if the people are Jewish they won't, uh, uh, they won't do it but he said, for me he said, everybody's created in the image of God and he said, God loves all of us And it was so refreshing to hear that and just be with someone who didn't go the political route, but just, you know, let's let's love one another. And it was so interesting to have this kind of conversation, really enriching. That's one thing that I love. What to do in Israel? Talk to people. What to do in Jordan? Talk to people. Ask questions more than come with answers. And so uh, he's a wonderful brother. And then this is a wonderful gal who was on our trip and in Israel and also did the two weeks in Jordan. So we spent five weeks together. And her and her husband were missionaries in Nigeria for uh, several years. And uh, so we became friends. And living in Africa, she was used to traveling with all the medication you could possibly have. So she was like a pharmacy. And so, if you needed anything, she had it. Might have been expired for years, but she had it, you know. And uh, so, wonderful people who just uh, love to travel. And uh, so, people: Muslims, Jews, Arab believers, Jewish believers, Christians, people from every country. That's one thing that makes Israel so, so rich, so interesting. And then, of course, the architecture, everything that you see, uh, the archaeology, everything that's been excavated. This is by the, the, um, the Mediterranean Sea, up uh, uh, by Capernaum. It's part of the aqueduct, the long aqueduct that was built. I, don't, I think it was built by Herod, uh, somebody may know, and uh, to bring water from uh, one of the, the water sources into Uh, the area where he had his palace and his baths and all this. And so this is uh, Caesarea, and and it was a major port uh, on the Mediterranean that uh, served the Romans uh, for, uh, I don't know how long, but and it's quite, a lot of it is now washed away, is underwater, but they've done excavations and found, underwater excavation, and found all kinds of structures and... But the water is now covering it. So architecture, the buildings the, you know, we think of people spend a lot of time. Uh, the labor force that would have been involved in all of this and the jobs they created jobs. And uh, now this is uh, in the north at Tel Dan, where they found the Aramaic inscription, the Beit David Aramaic inscription. It's a, they found that probably 15, 20 years ago now. Uh, it's been published, and, and they found the second part to the inscription. And before that, they had nothing of this period. It dates to about 1,000 B.C. So it's a very early text in Aramaic that talks about Beit David. And uh, so not too long after David, maybe less than 1,000 uh, B.C., but not too long after David. And uh, so giving, uh, confirming that uh, David was an actual historical uh, person. Now this gate also is dated much uh, earlier than this and it is thought that possibly Abraham would have come in this area. May even have stopped because this is a site that would have existed at the time when he came uh, into the land after he was called by God to come down to uh, the land of Canaan. So interesting how they build their streets and how they build the structures and and used uh, used mud bricks in that, which is usually much older than some of the, the later periods. So very early to go to modern. This is actually in uh, in Jordan and it is a um, a refugee camp. Uh, And so very, very compacted. If you look at Shechem today, which is Nablus, the modern Nablus, and if you go on top of uh, Mount Evil or Mount Gerizim, or the old site of Shechem, and you look down into Nablus, you can see which part of the city is actually the the, uh, refugee camp. And because it is so, so tight like this, and then you can see that the rest of Nablus is more spread out, you know, it's still city uh, compacted enough, but not as tight, and one thing about the structure even, uh, you know, you see this in Israel, in Jerusalem uh, you know, just um, uh, in southeast of the Temple Mount and I always think of David and Bathsheba when I see these kinds of structures because they, if some people think well was, was she doing bathing on, on the roof of her house well for one thing uh, bathing the word bathing is is the word to wash so there's nowhere in in the text that tells you that she was naked bathing or sunbathing or you know doing anything inappropriate because they live uh, as you can see there's they' flat roofs and they live on the roof and and uh, so I have interesting conversations with uh, people because the term is rahats. rahats can mean to wash your feet, wash your dishes, wash yourself, wash, you know. And But I think, OK, so you see what's going on next door on the roof. Uh, so I have a difficult time when people start talking about inappropriateness when that term is a very common term. Um, so anyway, so the, the the structures, the buildings, and the close the tightness I saw another refugee camp in Bethlehem also, where they're really tight like this they don't give them a lot of space and here along the road, all of a sudden you come across this ancient tomb and with a rolling stone, and so uh, you know they're here and there in, in different areas of uh, of uh, the, the land. So still structure, architecture. This is at Bet-Shan. Bet-Shan was a major town uh, during the Hellenistic period, especially. And uh, so you can see they've restored the columns. They were all down, and they've excavated a lot of the site. It's, it's southwest of the Sea of Galilee, not very far. It's uh, up in, uh, from uh, Tiberias. It's a beautiful site with lots and lots of stuff there. And, uh, and then you have the ancient tell that is at this, this end. And the ancient tell, uh, uh, the top of the tell is dated to the 1200 BC. And there's one tree on the tell, and it's the tree that was used for mo- the movie Jesus Christ Superstar, where uh, Judas went and hung himself. And so that tree is still hanging there. (laughs) And it's still uh, the only tree on the tell. And I had the chance to go and do some excavation there uh, quite a few years ago and found some remnants of Egyptian uh, temple, an Egyptian palace, and different artifacts, which really helps us reconstruct history. So the Egyptians, up till about 1200 BC, were definitely in the land. Uh, of Canaan and had control of the land. And we Mm -hmm. know that with the Amarna text, and et cetera, a number of other things. And so, you know, they did (coughs) So this was an underground uh, aqueduct, and I almost fell in, but anyways, I (laughs) did. And uh, you find uh, this kind of structure, uh, the theaters and amphitheaters, you find them uh, in Israel you find them in Jordan their major structures in all the major towns they had uh, and it's interesting because if you stand in the middle there is a point where if you stand yeah you, the echo the acoustics are really um, uh, you know you la 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 la, la. <gasps> you know all of a sudden you hear the resonance in your ears when you hit the sweet spot and uh, uh, wonderful structures, and also Jerash, a great site, huge site, and Petra, of course, uh, in the south. And uh, now Petra, I I'll, I have been to Petra before, and uh, we're familiar with some of the main structures. When you walk in, then all of a sudden you have the the, the this structure and. Uh, but then we went up uh, on donkeys, up to the top, of uh, to the palace, and we hiked the backside. And we hiked for about six hours that day, and just hiking in Petra. So you can walk the front part, and you can, uh, I mean, there are structures built. So the Nabataeans are the ones who developed this whole system. The Nabataeans are... Uh, uh, you know, closer to the Christian era. And uh, so they are the ones who learned to live in the desert. So they ended up, they, they petrified in the desert, and instead of going north and following the roads uh, where there's water, they learned to dig wells in, in the Negev, if you want, and make it straight to Egypt. So they knew how to live in the desert. And so they are... Uh, Many Nabataean sites, beautiful Nabataean sites, huge, because the Nabataeans became very, very rich uh, because of all the trade of the incense and the, the spices and all of this, and they were able to, to go directly. And people depended on them for water and resources. A lot of mosaic floors. This is a beautiful heart at the the uh, on the Sea of Galilee at uh, the traditional site where Jesus would have said to Peter, Do you love me? feed my sheep and so there are several rocks that are you know of course they've been carved to look like that but you know it's a place where you stop and think um, about uh, what happened in that area Sea of Galilee is not very big and so this is uh, a part of the Deir Allah inscription I always thought that Deir Allah was up in Syria but it's not it's just uh, on the east of the Jordan uh, river uh, southeast of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, what's significant about this text is it's written in Aramaic and it talks about Balaam, the, uh, the, uh, the one who calls curses on people. And it is dated the Balaam of the same area where the, our biblical Balaam, uh, Balaam, came from. So it probably refers to the same uh, Balaam, and uh, who was called upon to curse Israel, and he could not, God would not let him, and he blessed Israel. So it's an interesting text that connects the history of uh, you know, the, even the second millennium to uh, a, someone who existed uh, during the biblical period but is recorded in a text that is outside of the biblical text. Now in Medaba in uh, Jordan on the east side of the Sea of Galilee this is the first or the, the oldest map of Jerusalem. So you can see the wall of Jerusalem and then the map has all these cities mentioned towns you know uh, Bethlehem is mentioned somewhere and and everything, it's a whole uh, church uh, floor made in mosaics. But you can see the cardo. Those who have been in Jerusalem and you know where the cardo is. And so from the Damascus Gate to the Zion Gate, from one end to the other. So that's how they pictured uh, the, um, Jerusalem at that time. And so everything written in Greek. And so it's an interesting map, very early map. You don't have a lot of maps from that period. And talking then about um, fauna and flora <laughs> and nature. You know, this was my best buddy. And uh, so sleeping, animals everywhere. We're not used to that. I have my two dogs and people like cats and a few rabbits in my backyard. But know, uh, I was watching these sheep. Uh, it was interesting, just, you know, it's normal life. They're, they're all over the place. This is in the Negev in the south, very friendly. Uh, Hibeks and, and mountain uh, goats. And, and uh, this is as uh, we were going up uh, Petra, little, um, you know, I mean, I prayed. And uh, because the road was very narrow, and my donkey wanted to pass the donkey in front of me, and the donkey in front of me kept wanting to eat the grass on the side of the rock, and there was, you know, a major uh, drop on one side, the rock on the other, so I left a piece of my left toe on one of the rocks there, and uh, so I was glad to get to the top, and uh, so were a lot of other people, but we all made it, and then at one point, we went to visit a site that was a biblical site in northern Jordan, and we had to walk through a camel farm, and so the, the field was full of camels, and so we just walked. They didn't bother us, and we didn't bother them. We just kind of went to the site, and we found a lot of pottery that was from 1000 BC, uh, from all time periods, Um, and then flora of course there's a lot of uh, fruit everywhere, here are fresh figs and beautiful flowers it's gorgeous and this is up in Banias in the north Uh, you know nature is, uh, this is gorgeous place to to walk and hike and follow the the river trade, once Israel is is set up uh, in the land then they can live a life that is very different than when they were nomads and so these are part of the, the press, the olive press, uh, that they used as they were. And then they could sell the oil. And uh, uh, we saw several of those in numerous places. And this is a threshing floor. The first thing you do is there are kind of uh, spikes underneath the plank. And you run that over your, your wheat. And you break it up, and then you take the shovel and you throw it in the air, (coughs) and then the chaff uh, flies away. I guess it's the chaff that flies away. And uh, so it's an interesting... This is a little town uh, of the Talmudic period where they've reconstructed a lot of these things. It's interesting to see what they're doing. Uh, Several years ago, they found a boat in the Sea of Galilee that dates to the time of Jesus, and you can go see that boat. It's a whole story of how they were able to get it out of the water because, it, uh, it, of course, it would break apart immediately. So they, they had to find a way to foam it and, and uh, eventually get it. So now they have a little museum. Here's the Sea of Galilee. trade, making bread. This man was coming to make his bread uh, every day at the hotel, and nice fresh bread. Also, we went to copper mines in the south. And uh, there are copper mines in Tibna in the south uh, on the Israel side. And you have uh, copper mines on the Jordanian side. And it's full of copper everywhere. I mean, you can just fill your, your pockets, of course, have, have to be refined and, and done whatever you do with copper. But, uh, but it talks uh, in scripture about Solomon using copper. And uh, are we already in the minus two minutes? Or? Okay. And so religious, we have altars that are still there. They're standing. Uh, this is at Megiddo. Uh, religious site at Banias, you have Canaanite gods that were placed in some of these niches and uh, worshipped at that time. This is the goddess on top of uh, Selah. I'm actually sitting in a, uh, a shrine uh, bowl or something like that. And, uh, and then the adventures, I'll go through this quickly. We did jeep rides in the, um, in the Wadi Ram in the south of Jordan. It was gorgeous. This is a hike that we did on the way down from the Arbell Pass. As you can see, there are metal clamps you have to hang on to, and towards You would love that. <coughs> I love that one. And uh, and then you hike down. You have to help one another, so it's kind of a team building effort, and a lot of praying. And then uh, when you get to the bottom, then you hike back to the top uh, on the back. Of the mountain, which is also not easy, uh, so here are people coming down. Tracy and her husband were uh, did, that and their daughter did that. Uh, so then, uh, <coughs> these are these are the jeeps in which we went down in the south in the Wadi Ram, and saw this uh, old Nabataean inscription that is still written there in the rock. And so you don't have a lot of uh, ancient inscriptions still sitting around. This is another jeep, uh, another a pickup truck or a jeep or something uh, that brought us to this mountain called Sela, and Sela in Hebrew means rock. And uh, so we climbed Sela, and that's where there are shrines at the top. And this was quite the hike. Now, the the this I thought this was a one of the most difficult moments because the driver was driving erratically on the side of the mountain with all of us in the back, and I was just hanging on for dear life. And so, anyways, we hiked this area. This is uh, our our pickup truck rides to the the copper mines. We just hung on to, uh, got stuck in the sand and pushed and pulled and had a great time. Um, This is actually Syria. Uh, that we see, uh, we're in Israel here, uh, the corner uh, on the Golan Heights, and uh, we're looking across, there is the demilitarized zone, and then we could actually hear booms when we were in this area. And then if you look to the left and you see uh, Mount Hermon, right here, there was still snow on Mount Hermon. Then if you look to the left of that, you, you can see Lebanon uh, from there. So, and this is not a real man. It's a medal, uh, but that's where we were, at that place that was used for um, for military uh, engagement. This is actually, I'm in Jordan, and this is Elat. I'm in Aqaba uh, on the uh, Jordanian side, and just looking at uh, Israel, and I'm going to finish with a couple of... Uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, This is over the Sea of Galilee. This is one of the, the, uh, we stay on on the east side of the Sea of Galilee at a kibbutz, uh, wonderful kibbutz there. And so this is one night I took this picture. I think I was with Nehama Mm -hmm. and uh, they came. (coughs) This is uh, what we were welcomed with when we arrived in Petra. And so the sun was coming down, was beautiful. And then when we were in Akaba, we got there just in time for the sun to set over Israel, and uh, the west was just beautiful. And then my last slide is that I achieved sainthood while I was there. And uh, <laughs> so here is the confirmation. All right, amen. That's it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, there are so many more things that, you know, we did that I could talk about. I thought, okay, do I make this a Bible teaching, or do I just kind of revisit the trip? And, uh, you know, it's not advertising for the trip, but it's, it's uh, you know, it opens your eyes in such a different way. And uh, going there and meeting the people, talking, and, and so reading the Bible is one thing, but really being among the people makes the Bible come alive in a different way. So a lot of hiking opportunities. We do a, a lot, and that's one thing that I love about our course. We hike in the south. We hike in the north. We hike in the uh, all over. We walk a lot in Jerusalem and in the Shvela, and we walk uh, in Jordan, uh, all over the place. We did a lot of uh, hiking, climbing and descending and all this. So I'm very thankful to the Lord for the opportunity. Love, love the trip and it changes me and it changes the way I teach every time I go. And so, uh, you know, my prayer is that it's not just I'm having fun while I'm there, but how, how does it form me as a person? And how do I also understand a little bit more of the Middle Eastern mentality and the hospitality and the conflicts and all of these things? because you hear a lot more about that. Where are you going again? Lord knows. Denver Seminary will go in two years, but I don't know if I'll be the one leading. I never know until the year before. And so and we rotate the faculty, and now we have a new faculty member in the Old Testament Department. So... I hope he's busy that year. <laughs> so, but anyway, so it's it's uh, we should organize it then uh Yeshua Sion trip, you know? Okay, Tov. Tov. we have a lot of experts, You have you've been over there when you die, see that part of an and I know that many nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. lots uh, So it's encouraging you to well let, let's just close in prayer and give thanks to the Lord for what he does. And so Father, we, we talked a little bit about the work you did in people there and uh, in this wonderful, wonderful young man in prison, how you reveal yourself to him and how you spoke to tasks and changed his life and how he's now serving you and so many other people, Lord. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would continue to protect Israel and to intervene in the Middle East, to protect innocent lives. And, Father, we pray that uh, you would continue to to speak to us through your word and open our eyes to what you have for us. And we love you, and we thank you, and we give you praise and thanks. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach.